PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Today, we feature audio from the Elite Business Advice Podcast with Chris Moore. This episode is brought to you by Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams. Welcome to the Elite Business Advice Podcast. My name is Chris Moore. I'm the founder of Elite Business Advisors and the host of the Elite Business Advice Podcast. Hey, we're really excited to kick off season three here. We got episode two we're recording here today. If you didn't listen to episode one with Hoken Hansen from Olive Holdings, go back and check it out. Uh, our, our conversation took a great direction. We started talking about some of the mental roadblocks uh, that a lot of business owners struggle to overcome in business and kind of turned it into uh, the three biggest issues we see painting contracts make. It wasn't necessarily operations and systems, um, but we started getting into some of the mentality behind what keeps people from reaching their potential. So check out episode one. Um, we're really excited. Episode two, we've got a good friend of mine, Stuart Mackay with Pedigree Painting here. Stuart has a really cool story. He's uh, He's been in the painting industry all over the globe. Uh, he's from Scotland. He was a, a painter in Scotland, Ireland, uh, Australia, and now he's landed in Vancouver, Canada. And so we'll, he'll share a little bit about his story, uh, but we want to really kind of key in a little bit on his sales to production handoff. Uh, Stuart has a production manager named Pablo uh, that has been a huge asset to his business. It's been really cool to see the changes at Pedigree Painting since Pablo stepped into that role. And so we just want to share a little bit and have Stuart kind of share about how he's empowered Pablo, the relationship they have, uh, and just what the future looks like for them now that they've got Pablo in that role. So hope you enjoy it. Uh, And if you don't, catch us next week for episode three. Stuart, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. No, I appreciate you taking time and uh, and recording this with us. I've been wanting to share your story for a while, so I'm glad we, it finally worked out for us to get this out uh, onto the podcast. So tell everybody a little bit kind of about yourself and, and your background. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, you've done a pretty good intro. I don't know if there's much left to be said. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did. I, I grew up in Scotland. I left home when I was around 20. Uh, and then that's when I started dotting myself about until I, I was fed up and I moved on. Yeah. Um, grew up mass, massive passion for sports. I actually never loved painting. Um, I, I actually, I remember I left school and the way it works in the UK is you get three options for university. Yeah. And I, I never got accepted for my first two. And on my third one was criminal justice. I said, I don't want to do that. So my dad said, well, you better go get a trade. You've got two weeks to get to get your trade. And I was like, okay. So I called my mate Declan. <laughs> and I said, hey, Declan, what's the... He had done painting and roofing. I said, what's the best job to go into? He's yeah. like, do you like gold? And I said, no. And he said, okay, painting it is. And yeah. that, that was... <laughs> and it actually <laughs> took me uh, probably nine years to really love painting. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you eventually fell in love with it. So, um, so you've traveled around a little bit. You've seen the industry from a handful of different places. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, and that is probably the thing that that shocks me the most. Um, when I left Scotland and went to Australia, we were always kind of known as the UK traditional tradesmen. We were the guys that knew how to get it done. 
Yeah. And then in Australia, they do things the exact same way uh, as Scotland. And um, when I left Scotland, spraying wasn't a thing. So, disclaimer, I still can't spray. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's okay. Helped. That's okay. Which helped in the beginning, though, because it meant I had to hire people to do yeah. the spray work. Um, and I yeah. wasn't able to do that portion. That's um, funny. So we, we left Scotland, uh, went over to Dublin. My dad lives there. So, went over and done commercial painting over there. Um, lived there for 12 months and decided to go somewhere a bit warmer. That's when we decided to go to Australia. Uh, that was meant to be just be four months traveling and everything yeah. else. And I think within about eight days, I'd spent all of my money. I arrived in Sydney with maybe, I think, about $150 left. And I picked up the phone and I said, hey, look, I'm, I'm a painter from Scotland. I'm looking for a job. And it was literally, can you start tomorrow? Um, wow. Sure. What's the early rate? Uh, well, actually, first phone call was the guy said, oh, sorry, if you don't speak English, ask someone else to come on the, on the call. And I'm like, buddy, I'm speaking English. This is right. English. <laughs> it's just called an <laughs> accent, right? <laughs> the second phone call said, start tomorrow next day, $25 an hour. And I thought, holy smokes, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, and then in Australia, I, uh, you know, done some trade. I probably chased the glamour a little bit. Um, yeah. in Australia um, you know I remember times when I'd got on the bus and people wouldn't sit next to me if I was wearing my white pants yeah. uh, and I thought you know I want to have this office job where I wear a shirt and tie and chase yeah. the glamour and I always found myself coming back to painting but yeah. um, it was nice because I got commercial in Ireland I'd done residential as my apprenticeship something that's unique about the UK is you have to do four years at school to be a painter um, that's crazy and, and, and paint paint your home, paint your new home, your custom home or whatever it may be. Uh, I have to have a ticket. I have to have a card to show you that I've done my four years at school. Um, wow. And over time I've realized those four years, I don't think taught me much in regards to painting skill set, but it taught me a lot in regards to the science behind painting. What yeah. works, what doesn't work, what are the reasons for failure? Um, and I think we've actually this month taken over three custom home uh repaints wow uh, sorry the custom home new paints yeah. and we got those jobs because the painters were fired and when i went in you know the common feedback that we're getting is like you just knew what you were talking about right away you knew why paint was failing you knew why they shouldn't have done this and why it should have been this and yeah. of course you know, i've done it from a point of education to not throw the other painters under the bus but yeah uh, you know we, we still have an obligation to serve the community i mean you know we hear people in this PCAC all the time, elevate the trades. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's definitely the, the role I take up here in Canada. That's awesome. So, how did you go? So, you, you wanted to live somewhere warm, so you go to Australia, and then you decide, okay, we're done here. I'm gonna move to Vancouver, like just random Vancouver, cold, rainy, sometimes snowy, as we were talking before we started recording. How did you end up in Canada then, from Australia? Uh, my fiance's mom and dad migrated here a couple of years before us. Okay. Um, I was in Australia for all about five years. Met my fiance a few years into that, and uh, she just knew she wanted to be closer to family. Yeah. Um, yeah. My mom wanted me closer as well at the time, so I said, "Okay, I'll meet you in the middle." So instead of the twenty-four hour flight, we'll make it an eleven-hour flight, and I'll move to Vancouver. There you go. There you uh, go. That's how we ended up here. Uh, okay. And it was the, the process coming into Canada was a lot different from Australia. Yeah. Very different from Australia. Um, but when we were coming to Canada, I said to my fiance, I said, we've got three options. I have three options. I either get into real estate, 
either open my own business or I become a salesperson for a painting company. Yeah, um, yeah. Opening my own business wasn't an option because I wasn't a permanent resident. Yeah. Uh, and um, then apart from that, the real estate thing was going to take me a year and I thought, okay, I'll just get into sales. So I got into sales and done that for about 18 months and then um, my, you know, my friend came over to me and uh, he said, look, I'm going to open a painting business, would you like to run it? And then uh, before we know it, uh, him and I were co-owners of Pedigree Painting. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that's exciting. So you, you've got this whole journey. You've seen the trades from all different angles, all different positions. Um, now here you guys are in Vancouver with Pedigree. I love it. What was your why whenever you started with Pedigree Painting, right? When when he came and talked to you about that and, hey, do you want to do this? Like, what made you kind of say, like, yes, this is exactly the path we want to take? Like, why well, is entrepreneurship always attractive to you, I guess? Um. Well, at that time, I was... I, I was I was going home. I was going back to Scotland, and that that really wasn't the number one option either. So, it was that was that played a part in it. But the more we started to do some strategic planning and yep. Yep. dive into things, I realized because those questions were asked of me, why why are we doing this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I had to really dig deep. I took some time and I dug really really deep. Uh, I took some time away actually and dug really deep and thought. I thought back to that time in Australia when I would get on a bus and people wouldn't sit next to me. And I thought, you know what? There's an opportunity here. Painting is a huge aspect of people's homes and it's the largest investment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, quite often by the time that I've finished jobs, they're frustrated, homeowners are frustrated with us. I thought that could change. I also knew that as a painter, you were kind of the bottom of the food train in trades and trades are kind of the blue collar of anything else anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at that time I realized as well, I thought, okay, there's, there's, there's change can be made here as well. And the biggest thing though, and this maybe wasn't the why initially, but is the why that continues to drive us. Um, I was in the industry for 12 years, um, before this and no one ever gave me a path forward. No one ever yeah. gave me a path out. If that was what we were looking for, we've, we've been doing interviews with our current employees and saying, what's your path? Like, where do we want to get you to? And, Three, out of three of them uh, yesterday told me they want to open their own business in totally different aspects, yeah. uh, different different industries, sorry. Um, and that's okay. Like, we want to help get them to that point. So that's been the, the driving force. That's what keeps us going. That's what motivates us daily. Um, knowing that we can change how people think of painting companies yep. and change how painters think of themselves. Yeah. Now I love that when you when you shared that story with me initially when we first met about the Australia thing and, and the white pants on the bus and it's just like man like you I mean you you're not wrong right we painters where they're at on the 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 sexy uh, list on the trades organizational chart it's it's down there at the bottom right and and I think it does get disregarded in in a lot of ways um, and so I, I I do think it's cool I think it's cool that you guys are. are doing it for the reasons to, you know, like you said, not just elevate the trade, but how can you, you know, support employees and, and give back and, and, you know, help them get where they want to go. Right. I think that's one thing, obviously every business owner would love for their employees to stay with them for the entirety of the rest of their career. Right. Especially if they're good people um, and good employees, but at the same time, like you are, you know, a, a success in a way if your employees go on to run amazing businesses and continue to that ripple effect of becoming a good leader, a good business owner, a good place to work. Right. 
Um, and so, I mean, I think it's cool that you guys kind of have that perspective and, you know, I, I always hear a lot of people say like in parenting, it's, you know, we are, we did our job as a parent. If our kids go on to raise good kids. Right. Um, so I feel really bad for my parents cause who knows how we're raising chase right now, but, um, it doesn't, that, that doesn't reflect well on them, I guess. But, um, but I, I'll say all that in all sincerity, like, you know, with the business owner, if your employees go on to be successful, um, that just goes to show that you're making a difference in the community, which is awesome. So, um, you know, one thing I've loved about you every, ever since we first met, um, kind of started working together for a bit last year. Um, you do love golf. That's not where I'm going to go with this. We could have a whole different podcast episode about our love for golf and, and our competitive edge and the conversations we would have. But um, you're, it's your ability to think big about your business. Ever since I met you, you you had your sights set on not just a little mom and pop, you know, small business, right, with three employees. Like you've always thought very big. Why have you been so growth focused um, instead of taking kind of a slower path to growing pedigree painting? Um, probably partially ignorance. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> naive. You know, I just, I don't see the problems that I'm sure many uh, seasoned business owners see. Um, yeah. But the big thing for me comes back to the why. And yeah. I don't believe there's enough people in our industry uh, because you have to think, Chris, the, the kids that are coming through school now, they're coming through on laptops, iPads. And I, I don't, I'm not going into that millennial thing because too many people do it. Yeah. They are directed in a different direction. You don't see many young kids eager to get into the painting industry. Um, so it means that there's an older generation who are maybe set in their ways. Um, not all, of course, but I just know that there's a larger scale of people needing served well. And I believe that we can do it. Um, yeah. Whereas instead of relying on, you know, 20, 30 painters jumping on board what we're all trying to build here, um, you guys at the PCA, I think, okay, we'll just do it. Yeah. We'll just, and I believe it come, also comes back to the why that continues to drive is the more business that we have, the more opportunity that, that, that we can have. Something that we are, we are really focused on over the next five years is we want to generate enough profits to buy properties to bring, we have a lot of, as you, you have a lot of um, Latino painters and things like yeah. that here. A lot of painters coming from overseas as well. I, ha I have painters in our in our staff that have been teachers, lawyers, yeah. and they're not given the same opportunity when they arrive here. Um, yeah. So something we want to do is we want to encourage more of that, uh, bringing those, I should circle back, Canada's gonna be um, dependent on immigrants as of 2028 is, is yeah. what they're saying. Wow. Um, so this, this gives us an opportunity. We can buy properties and make it easy for our subcontractors to bring painters from their home country into affordable housing. Yeah. Um, we can just start to, we can just start to sprinkle a little bit of magic dust on more people's lives in okay. more areas. Um, and yeah, I just slow and steady. doesn't excite me. It, it yeah. really doesn't, uh, you know, yeah. like. We've grown 55% this year and it's eaten away at me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not fast enough, right? Not fast enough. No, my no, but, was percent growth year over year. Yeah. But you guys have also 
taken this year to really sharpen your skill set, sharpen your systems, get the right people in the right seats that will set you up to be able to grow a hundred percent year over year over the next three to five years. So, um, I love that about you because that's where your ambitious level is. Like, ah, we only grew 50% this year. Like most people would kill for that. So let's just keep that in perspective. But I love because of your why, right? Like it's because of what you, you believe in. And that's what I've always appreciated about you since we first met is, you know, your heart's in the right spot and you're there for that ripple effect, right? You want to be a blessing in other people's lives. Um, and I love that you're, you're using your gift of, of being a business owner to go out and bless more people, right? Both on the customer side of things as a good, reputable, reliable, quality, fair contractor, and also on the employee employment side of it to provide people a good opportunity to work and to make a, a good, healthy living and go be a blessing to more people. I mean, that's, you know, that as we talk about our whys, I mean, that was one thing that, you know, when I was in the painting industry, you know, I wanted to be that person, right. That was going to show up, communicate with you, give you a good experience, right? Because I heard so many horror stories from other contractors. And what I realized is really where my passion was, was mixing the business coaching of what we're doing now to go give that experience to more people to help business owners grow their businesses, right? Because I knew that just for me personally, I was going to max out at a certain level of painters and I could only help so many people in our demographical or geographical area um, and stuff. And so I I think knowing your why is such a huge thing. And and I love that you know that and your mission every day embodies that and keeps moving forward. So um, what are a few lessons that you've learned since you started working in the industry as as a young, uh, young child, young kid early on in your life? Uh, you know, what are some lessons you've kind of learned as you've grown over the years into where you're at now? Um, I realized, so growing up in a hard paced environment, again, where you don't perform, you lose your job and you're good luck finding another one. It was go as fast as you possibly can. And yeah, I believe in speeds. Um, but the biggest thing for me is just, be a good human being. You know, you hear Nick Slavic talk about it and it can't be emphasized enough. Like just do the right thing by people. The amount of gratitude I get on a daily basis for just showing up and doing the right thing is unbelievable. And one of the other things, and it's and it's obviously clear in the industry because the when we bring people and we have to retrain them, we have people ask us like, what standard do you want? What is it a five? Is it a four? Is it a three? And I'm like, what kind of question is that? Yeah. Um, so that would be the big thing, you know, just focus on the customer um, in every aspect, the service, the quality, just know, is this the best thing I could do for them? Um, and by having that mindset, you're going to be successful. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing I would say is, I think it's easy to, to get into your comfort zone and settle in that. And that's the way you've done it for five years. So that's the way we're going to do it for another 15 years. Uh, that's absolutely not true. We, and something that one of our themes this year um, is actually going to be that we're not, no change. Uh, because we had changed so much last year. And like you said, we've really knuckled down and got some really good systems and processes in place, onboarding plans, payment structures, development charts, all of that kind of stuff we've built out. Um, because yeah, people, uh, people don't have the direction and, um, with, with the change, what happens with the change is you have a revolving door. Yep. Yep. So just, uh, with the change of, sorry, change of staff, they have a revolving door. Yep. No, that's good. Yeah, but sorry, I, to circle back, 
don't change um, don't change your system so much. That's what we done yeah. last year. Um, change enough to keep up with times and keep improving, but don't yeah. change to the point that you're driving people out the door. Now, I think that's a good a good thing to keep in mind is to find that happy medium, right? To, to change and keep up with things, right? Because, I mean, I've seen, I mean, again, it's been 13 years since I started in the industry. So much has changed every three to five years, technology-wise, paint technology-wise, tools, this, that. I mean, there's Bluetooth sprayers that'll tell you how many gallons per minute you're spraying now. Like, that didn't exist, you know? Um, and so I think you do need to change and adapt to keep up to continue sharpening your skill set, you know, efficiency, blah, blah, blah. But I think there's also the flip side of things is you just mentioned, like when you change too much, you don't even give what you changed time to take flight, right? And if, if it doesn't work within a week and you're changing again, like your employees are all of a sudden like, well, how are we supposed to even do our jobs now? Because you, we were doing it this way last week and now we're doing it this way. And next week you're going to have us do it a third way. Um, and so just find that happy medium, right? If, if there's things you haven't changed in five years, probably reevaluate the systems. And if it's still solid, keep doing it, right? But see if there's better ways to do things um, because that's how business owners are going to continue to grow and adapt and and to your point earlier, you know, a lot of, there, you know, there are younger people coming into the trades, not at the rate we probably need and not at the rate a lot of us would like. Um, but the young people coming in, man, they're sharp. Like they're coming in from that business mentality um, and they understand it and they get it. And so if you're not changing and you're not adapting to things and you're not finding efficient ways to do things, somebody else is going to, right? And so I think that's a hard thing. A lot of people do struggle with change, um, but it's it's finding that happy medium in there. So um, I want to talk for a few minutes here about um, kind of the sales to production handoff. You know, as I mentioned in the intro, um, I think you guys have a really solid plan in place when it comes to production. And I know Pablo has been a huge blessing for you stepping into that role and the role he's taken on. And just, man, he's he's taken it and he's just ran with it. It's been really cool to see. Uh, so if he ever listens, uh, listens to this, I don't want to, you know, inflate his ego anymore, but, um, but, but Pablo, you've been awesome. Um, you know, kind of walk us through a little bit. What does that process look like? I know you handled the sales from, you know, start to finish, right. Until it becomes a closed job or, you know, somebody that says no, and then you're able to kind of hand it off to him. Just kind of walk us through a few of the things you guys kind of do to, to help with that. Yeah. So we have all about communication and data. You can't over communicate in my opinion. Yep. Yep. So what we do is when they, we've actually shifted to Paint Scout. Um, so a okay. uh, little up there for Paint Scout, but that has made life a lot easier because we had a really good handoff. Um, things went smoothly, but it was time consuming. So yeah, now with yeah. Paint Scout, when I'm doing the quoting, I do the estimates with the photos built into the quotes. Um, nice. As soon as that's accepted, it literally pings it straight to the Pablo, sends a thank you um, email over to the client. Pablo has it set up on Pipedrive that it automatically sends, hey, thank you for, for signing off. As, as Stuart mentioned, I'm the production manager. And just just so it's quick, quick, quick communication. Yep, yep. And in that email, it will say, give me 24 hours and I'll let you know when we're going to be, give you a time frame of when we're going to be starting. Yep, yep. Um, and within that 24 hours, him and I also have sent in separate emails with specific notes um, and had a sit down. We have, we have a 15 minutes uh, twice a week. Yeah, yeah. Um, where we just rhyme off okay here's the three new jobs here's what's important on these jobs here's what the customers needs are here's what's been promised um but again going back to paint scout there's actually a tool in paint scout you can utilize you can leave notes on your estimate that can be 
seen by the project manager and guys on, on site, and then a separate set of notes that can be seen by the client. So that's eliminating that process as well. Nice. Um, so the automation parts, uh, obviously that's, we're working on that right now, but yeah, the, the handoff for us is just all about communicating and yep. there's not a single job that I pass to Pavel that doesn't come with the sentence. This job is so important to us. Yeah. This yeah. job is so important to us. And, I love it, and honestly, I think that, you know, when, when anyone hears that, even though he's expecting it, he still, it's still, you perk up. You're like, okay. It's that reminder. It. I need to be on the ball. Um, yeah. But also at that process, through all that process, we have an automatic email now go to our designer. If it's exterior, we have an automatic email go to our pressure washer. And I think the biggest thing is the communication is all the same. We're completely transparent. So if my client does see um, the email that I'm sending to the project manager and the, the designer, I have no problem with that. I'm not yeah. hiding from them. Um, so by having the same communication go through the whole process, um, that makes that makes the handoff really, really smooth. Um, yeah. And just by having really detailed quotes and work orders, like our quotes are ridiculous. I think they're up to eight pages long. Yeah. And I just explained to people, it's like, this is just expectations here. This is yeah. what our project manager is going to go off of. So please make sure you read it and make sure that expectations are aligned. Because once that job starts, if something's not mentioned there, he's going to charge you for it. So we need yeah. to make sure we're on the same page uh, here today. So that's what makes the, the handoff really easy. We set very clear yeah. expectations. We communicate well and we communicate fast. Awesome. No, I think that's really good. And and I think, you know, for a lot of people, um, you know, it, it, we were on a panel the other day talking about operations and a lot of people were asking about production managers, how do you utilize stuff? And I said, I think the biggest thing is, uh, so thank you for, for uh, solidifying my thought the other day on that call. Um, I said it, the, the handoff to production actually starts at when you're at the estimate and it's the, it's the notes that you take it's the what you write on the bid or how you do it. Um, it's the numbers you take and the method you use to take them. It's the expectation you set with the customer to edify that next person, right? And it was a conversation you and I had of like, how can we really make sure this handoff goes smoothly? And I'm like, the best thing you can do is when you're at the estimate, you talk about Pablo and how amazing Pablo is and how much of an asset he is and, and this and that, and you build him up to where they're excited to work with him, right? That solves the problem of, well, the customer, like I'm selling myself and my business, the customer's expecting me to be there. No, not if you edify the crap out of your production manager, right? Um, and, and I know that's, I know that's helped for you guys. And so I, I think a lot of the, the handoff starts at how systematic, how thorough are you at the estimate, right? Whether it's what the client sees on the contract, whether it's the notes, the internal notes that you take, uh, Hey, these are the, these are the tools we need. Hey, there's this, you know, drywall patch that needs done in this bedroom. And like, you know, whatever the details are, it starts at the estimate and that allows you to smoothly hand it off to, um, your production manager. So um, one question I've got for you here before we kind of wrap up, I know you, you believe a lot in doing a profit share, right? Um, to those who deserve it, right? You know, you're in it to invest into your employees and, and continue to, you know, be a blessing in their lives so they can be a blessing in others. You know, why, why is that? Why do you believe that the profit share is such a great method for your business or business in general? Yeah, for, for us anyway, it probably ties in like we'll, we'll, we'll stay on Pablo, um, yeah. Yeah. We'll keep things simple here 
Pablo, um, the problem with I think I find is when you have a large organization and sales are trying to make their commission over here and project managers are trying to make their gross profit commissions over here, they're doing whatever, the salespeople are doing whatever they can to get their commission, project managers doing whatever he can to get his commission. Yeah. I don't like that. Again, we all have to be playing off the same page. So, yeah. and so obviously from a selfish standpoint, I want everyone to be cohesive so that we all work well together and keep and keeps things smooth and all that kind of stuff. But the other thing again comes back to no one ever gave me a path forward. No one ever gave me an opportunity like that. Um, and you'll never, you're, you're very rarely hear people yeah. giving up profit share because it's a hard thing to do is and even harder to give away equity. Um, it's yeah. an even harder thing. So um, the profit share for me is to show like, hey, I value you. I'm not thinking, when I think about Pablo, um, yeah, I wrote Pablo's Christmas card yesterday and uh, I, I explained to him, he's everything that I'm not. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. When, when you can identify your own weaknesses and you find someone that can come in and give you that opportunity, then of course I want to share. I want to share yeah. what we build together. Um, and I don't think, and in that Christmas card I was also talking about his three children. Um, I don't believe, I don't think about Pablo right now. I don't think about what he's got to make right now, where he's living right now. I'm like, I think about how can we set his kids up for success? Yeah. So, and I know that being a project manager, he'll not be able to do that, um, set his kids up for the success that I would like to see them set up from. Now, what the listeners don't know is where Pablo comes from. Um, yeah. I want to make sure that his kids have a much, much better childhood. Um, yeah. Than, than what he than what he grew up with so um yeah that's probably the big thing for profit share but we also do performance pay for all of our guys yeah yep. we had a problem with culture uh for the first for the second year of our business um this is where obviously into our third year now we had a problem with culture and it was because i was painting the wrong picture and the picture i was painting was come work for us it's a happy go lucky place we're all family and that's true but that's true if you perform at your highest level um, so what we done was we had the problem with homeowners. I don't want subcontractors in my house. I only want employees. Well, employees, they'll make money on an hourly rate. That's fine. We want to incentivize them to say, hey, look, if you do right by this customer, you're going to be rewarded. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you spoke about it earlier, and I call it the domino effect. I believe if we can impact our painters and subcontractors in a positive way, they'll impact our clients yep. will then fare and talk about that experience and here we go. To snowball. Yep. Yeah. No, I love that. And, you know, I think, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of the profit share um, or, or, you know, and, or the, you know, pay for performance, you know, like you guys have, because I think it's just, it's a win-win, right? When you're sharing the profits back with the employees, with the production managers, with the salespeople, with everybody, it, they're bought in, right? They have some level of bought into the company and it allows them to kind of make, I, I don't want to say unlimited, but like it, there's no cap on what they can make, right? Um, you know, if they can be efficient, they can get jobs done. They're going to make a lot more money than if they're just, you know, half-assing it and taking their time. So I think it's such a win-win for both people. Um, 
I love the idea of the profit share. I love what you said about the commissions because you see it all the time, right? It just kind of solves some of those issues. So, um, well, Stuart, I, I could talk to you for hours. I love always chatting with you and talking business, talking about things. Uh, but we won't do that to the listeners. We'll keep this short and let them get on with, with their day or the next episode. But um, I really, really appreciate you taking some time. Like I said, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Um, I'm excited to actually meet you in person for the first time coming up at PCA Expo. Um, we've known each other for about nine months now, and, and literally we've only spoken on the phone and via Zoom. So um, I'm excited to see you. If you haven't, if you're listening to this, you haven't got your ticket yet for PCA Expo coming up in Albuquerque the end of February find a way to get there, get your tickets, book your, book your plane, stay at the hotel, get everything you need, get on that today. Um, it's one of the best decisions you'll make. Um, I'm a huge believer in it. You're going to get to collaborate with people like Stuart and other people all throughout the country. Uh, and so it's a great opportunity for that. Um, so Stuart, thanks again for doing this, man. I really appreciate you. Of course, Chris, if I, if you don't mind, if I could just add one more yeah. thing. I think you deserve a plug here. Last year, you don't actually know this, I don't think. We met, well, we spoke first when you were at the PCA last year. Yeah. And I actually put a bit of a test on you. I told myself internally, you know, I'm big on communication. Yep. Yeah. I, said, I knew you were at the PCA. You actually mentioned that. And I said, I'll see if he contacts me back in a quick time frame while he's still there. Yeah. And yeah. you did. You contacted yep. me when you were on an interval or something. Yeah. And I knew that I, I, you had commitment. Uh, yeah, yeah. So if you're looking for a coach with commitment, honestly, I, I can't recommend Chris enough. You're, you're, you're another great human being, as we like but, to say. I appreciate that, man. That means a lot. And uh, that's always reassuring that we must be doing something right. So now I appreciate the plug and I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. And I look forward to seeing you here in a couple of short months where it's a little bit warmer than where we're both at right now. So have a, have a merry, merry Christmas and uh, we'll see you in February. All right, buddy. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thanks. Cheers, man. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.